Hey everybody, happy Thanksgiving. We're the, the Board Game Mechanics, and it's Thanksgiving. I'm Joel, and with me as always is... Hey guys, what is going on? It is Jason. Jason, let's talk about some games we're thankful for this game, this, this episode. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> so, like, are there any... I mean, I'm thinking of one game that is kinda Thanksgiving-themed. Can you think of any Thanksgiving-themed games? Uh, Keyflower, maybe. That's the one I was thinking of. <laughs> Keyflower. It's, can... a, it's a stretch, but that's our Thanksgiving game. I mean, it's cl- Mayflower, Keyflower, it works. Yeah, I think so. And, like, I don't know, you... I, you play as pilgrims that are, I I don't know. <laughs> that don't like each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that are very, very, very into like being with only their own race. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not a very uh, PC game, that's for sure. <laughs> for people who think we're terrible people, um, that game really is about like segregating people because only meeples of certain colors like to be together. So. Yep. It is for sure. I mean, I think that's probably reading a little too far into it because really i mean 99 percent of games are really abstract games and then they slap a theme on and that's no different on this one i would say yeah pretty much but i mean gives you something to talk about i guess but speaking of thanksgiving miniature markets having their black friday sale did you check that out uh no i got an era 503 all day with it (laughs) oh really i was looking at it i browsed through it for a couple hours earlier yeah anything that's uh remarkable that we need to hit they were selling coimbra for like 38 bucks uh solid yeah, they had a couple like pretty solid games, but by the time I actually got to looking at it, they were all sold out. So, just the normal uh, Discworld, Borderlands, uh, all that good stuff, you know. Oh yeah, uh, Gear 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 World, the Borderlands. <laughs> yeah, they did have uh, um, Trickerian on there too for thirty bucks. What? Yeah, and it wasn't sold out until like maybe two hours ago. What? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, hey, I know that um, I know that my wife doesn't listen to this show, so I'm just going to spill the beans here. I was going to buy a game at the local board game shop, and my board game buddy at the shop goes, you don't want to buy that. And I go, oh, okay, why is that? He's like, I can't tell you anything, but you don't want to buy that. So that was, that was kind of cool. But um, I'm really, really hoping to get Brass Birmingham. We'll see if that happens. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That is funny. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but I mean, he was in a hard, he was between a rock and a hard spot. I mean, if he sells me a second copy of the game, it's even worse. So, I don't know. Whatever. That's true. That's funny. I was watching Shut Up and Sit Down today, and they hate Brass, but they love Brass Birmingham. That's really weird. Yeah, it, they said that they liked it better, which was weird because I feel like Brass Birmingham's like second rate Brass, but with the cool beer mechanism thing. Yeah, I don't know, man. Everybody likes it, and so I'm gonna play it. And maybe it really is better, but it's going to be a really good study on the cult of the new for me to be like, is it just because it's hot and new? I don't know. Right. Yeah. No, I, it lo- I would probably play it. It looks cool. I mean, the beer thing is pretty neat and the mechanisms are a little different. So it'd be interesting. My favorite thing that happened today on all the board game boards that I was perusing through on my break was someone said, what? What? I think you responded to this thread too. Someone said, what art really compels you and draws you into the game and makes you feel like you're there? And one guy responded, Brass in London. And I thought that was the funniest response ever. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> uh, pretty good. Uh, I feel like I'm in the, revo- the Industrial Revolution for sure. Yeah, because there's like bits of children's fingers in the box or something. I don't know. <laughs> yep. 
Yeah, but like honestly, that art is totally functioning over form, and that's yep, that that's is. why you love it so much, I guess. So, well, anyway, that's cool. I'm I'm hoping to play some stuff this weekend uh, with uh, with my family. Uh, we're doing an early Thanksgiving, so I'm hoping to get some stuff played. Pretty excited about that, but. It's been a good year overall for playing games, and I think we're going to talk about that this episode. Um, and I mean, speaking of uh, a good year, it's hard to believe that we just started this this year, and we have the audience we have already. We have all you guys who are listening to us. We're growing like crazy on the listens, so thank you for that. I think you guys have been telling friends. Keep telling friends and family and stuff. I mean, we we really, really love that you guys are involved. Um and we're building some legitimacy with publishers and things. So that's pretty awesome. So uh, thanks for that a ton. Thanks for all the stuff you guys do on the social media with us. I know there's a few super fans that we can count on to always post over there. But yeah, we'd love to see some more people just jump in there and get involved. Um, we, I promise, are pretty cool people. I mean, I know you guys probably think like, oh man, these guys are on my on my very good iPod <laughs> Classic with the dial wheel. There's no way they'd have time to talk to me on social media. But I'm telling you, we definitely can. So we, I think we, between the two of us, we reply to every post that we see that's directed at us on uh, on social media stuff. So, and Jason, Jason does, I'm gonna, just going to use this as a chance to just publicly just say how much I appreciate Jason. Jason does like 75% of everything you see. Jason's just a machine. And uh, really, a lot of our growth and stuff is because of his hard work building this brand this year. So I'm really thankful for you, Jason. It's, it's kind of a heartfelt Thanksgiving thing here. I'm going to say that. So anyway, I've had a good time doing this. And it's crazy we're closing in on a year of this thing. But we're really starting to see it grow and, and just do well. And I'm thankful for all our, our fans too. So uh, anyway, I'm, I'm going to wipe my tears away while you, uh, while you go ahead and cut this uh, to the next segment here or whatever you want to do all right so i have a couple pieces of news today and the first one's going to be a shocker it's going to be a type of game that i never talk about and it is a tactical minis game a cooperative tactical minis game called assassin's creed the brotherhood of venice by triton noir uh i looked this up uh and it by the time the recording drops, there'll be about 20 days left. It, it said it was a miniatures game and co-op. I kind of stopped reading after that, but... I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, let's see if we can strike this game out with Jason before we even get really started here. Okay, it's a video game licensed product. Right, yeah. Strike yeah, yes. one, minis two, strike two, co-op, strike three. Uh, probably, like, super overpriced for what you get because it's a Kickstarter with minis. So, Strike 4. I actually don't mind Assassin's Creed. Like, I've been wanting to play one of those games I've just never had the chance. Like, the video games. And I yeah. watched the horrible, wretched movie, even, because I think the idea and the, you know, the premise is cool, and the movie sucked. But, yeah. I, I've got a, like, I've got a problem with the Assassin's Creed games in just that, like, I played the very first one. Like, I saw all these, like, really cool trailers where you're, like, basically Batman in the medieval times or whatever. <laughs> right, Like, yeah. you're just, like, jumping around from roof to roof and just, like, killing people. And I mean, like, obviously that's not what you want to do in real life, but it's kind of a fun thing to play in a video game. So I'm like, man, that looks really cool to be, like, this, like, Skyrim-y, like, Batman stealth rogue kind of thing. Super cool. And then I get the game and they're, like, in the future reading my DNA and I'm like, Wait, what is this? This is... What? <laughs> this yeah. is... My DNA has a storybook in it. That's that's real dumb. I, I'm totally not into this now. Yep. And so I seriously played that game for like 10 minutes and was like, screw this. Yeah, it makes an even worse movie. So don't watch that movie. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this game looks 
Uh, the minis are cool if you're into minis. I looked at some of them and they do look pretty neat. They look like the pictures that they're supposed to look like. And it looks just like if you're a fan of minis games, you're probably going to love this. And if you like the Assassin's Creed IP, this is probably going to be up your alley as well. Full report on this one from uh, Fan Zero when he gets his Kickstarter from it, because I know he's going to back this <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Picorni will fill you, fill you guys in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to start calling him Fan Zero. <laughs> Yeah. I, although I don't know, maybe he not he might not be fan zero. I think uh, Mr. Ochoa might be fan zero. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Have to go back. We'll have to go back in the wayback machine and see who who was fan zero. Yeah, they can duke it out, fight to the death. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> minis versus beard. I don't know. It's gonna be tough. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. The next piece of news is um, a new expansion for Hero Realms, and it is called Hero Realms Journeys. Uh, it has a few different, there's like four different sets of new cards that you can get just to throw into the market. There are some secret personal quests that get passed out at the beginning of the game to kind of give you some focus. And then there's another adventure follow-up to the last adventure co-op piece that came out called the Rune of Thandar. The new one, I forgot to write that down, so I don't know what that is, but there's a new adventure. And by the time this episode drops, there'll be 20 days left to go. And it's already funded, so you're guaranteed to get that December 2019. Yeah, that's not that's not soon, but I mean it's not horrible either, I guess. No, but here's my thing: it's cards. Why does it take a year, right, to print some cards? Right. Like I don't I don't get it. But well, then I'm gonna ball out White Wizard Games too. In that, like, if you're a brand new company and you're like, I've got this really cool concept for a, a game, but it's all written on index cards, and I've got to like spend this Kickstarter money to fund my art and to fund, right. you know, like everything on it. Right. Like, I get it being 13 months out, but like White Wizards surely got an artist that they use that's in house, and like they could have had art done for this and everything, and then been like, we're gonna Queen Games this one and kickstart it, and actually be shipping stuff out before the Kickstarter is over. <laughs> Yeah, like yeah, because Hero Realms already exist. They have art for it. Right. They have right. cards. They're just going to tweak the cards and stuff. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Anyway, right. it probably takes more than I know, but it just seems crazy. 19, 19 months. I'm positive it does, and that's and that's why. Like, I have a prototype that I I think it's three quarters done. Like, I think it's three quarters of the way to a good game, and I'm like thinking about what am I going to do with this, and um, I'm pretty pretty sure i'm not going to do a kickstarter like i'm just going to like ship it around shop it around and be like hey who wants to take a lot of the money from this game and give me some because you're going to do a lot of the work and i'm going to do like little to none i mean like that's the kind of thing i'm looking for because i mean like honestly the entrepreneurial kickstarter thing is great yeah but i mean i just don't want to lose sleep and they could get an ulcer over potentially making a little more money you know like if i ever get my game made it's going to be for the love of the game you know so right yeah. i don't know until my game is like the hugest hit ever and like Uncle Vidal and Alan Moon are both like, your game is so very good. I just should stop designing games. Although I think Alan Moon did to stop designing games. He's just like, yeah, you can use my name. Uh, here, let's get a globe out and randomly point to a country. <laughs> New ticket to ride. <laughs> ticket to ride Nigeria. Awesome. Here it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're going to be the next Isaac Childress with your uh, with your new game. I, I, uh, I hope. I don't know. We'll see. So yeah, Hero Realms, check that out if you're into that. Um, the last thing I wanted to talk about is not really new, well, like board game Kickstarter news, but there was some theft that happened at Essen this year. I guess it was pretty crazy. And one of the publishers, Artipia, is going to be doing a Kickstarter to offset the losses that they occurred when they got their cash box stolen. 
And the Kickstarter is going to be a bunch of promos for their games. I think they have Fields of Green and maybe the one that's in space like that. Um, I don't know what uh, it is. but Among the Stars. Yes, yes. So those two games, I believe, are them. One of them may have Stronghold attached to. But, and the, the promos are only going to be available through this Kickstarter. So if you want additional promos for games that you're fans of, this will be your chance to go pick that up. All right, so I'm not awesome with publishers and who makes the game, so it might not be Among the Stars, but I think it is. But then the other game that I think is them is Archeon. Is that the name of it? That's a pretty awesome game, too. I think that's theirs as well, but that's super out of print, super old, but pretty sweet. Yeah, I know literally nothing about Artipia except for Fields of Green. I know that's theirs just because that's the one game that I'm sort of interested in. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, that's pretty That's pretty sad that that happened, but I mean, I don't know, man. People are pretty grimy. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's just crazy. Like you're going there to just have fun and play some games, but you got to watch out because there's going to be people who are up to no good. And especially at a place where there's thousands and thousands of people and you can't have your eyes on your cash box the whole time. So, yeah, it's, it's crazy. So by calling me the next Isaac Childress, um, are you trying to say that like my first game will be really, really, really good? And then my second one will be like 75 <laughs> percent off within four weeks of it coming out. <laughs> yeah, it was on the Black Friday sale, too. <laughs> It's like 21 bucks, man. It's insane. And it's MSRP 80. Yeah, but your first game is going to be 175 bucks and you're going to sell a million of them. So it doesn't really matter about your second game. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, my game is a farming game and it's a little different than all the other farming games out there in that it is, it's a legacy game. You have little boxes that you open and there's different kinds of tractors and um, different, different. No, I'm lying. I, and I really honestly. <laughs> This joke isn't worth the uh, effort I'm trying to put into it. So <laughs> pretend like I said something really clever there and funny about a legacy farming game. And that's and that's my very good joke. <laughs> I'm actually surprised there hasn't been a legacy farming game yet, honestly. I mean, like, my well, I have to bring my first farming game out. And then, like, we'll do a legacy version of it later. So that'll be good. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Hey, Jason, guess what? What? I'm super excited to get to the next part of the, the, the show because <laughs> talking about the games we played is just a lot of fun. And man, I am just hyped about one of the games I played. So can can we do that? We can. And let's go now. Oh, man, that's awesome because we just totally switched roles. Usually, usually you're the one that's like, yeah, enough of this foolishness, Joel. Let's get to the next segment. <laughs> you, yeah, we did. Nice. <laughs> uh, all right. All right, so as Joel just said, he's super excited about uh, talking about games that he played, and I'm going to talk about a game I played. Maybe not as excited as Joel will later, but uh, I played Gizmos this weekend, and it was okay. I didn't love it. So if you don't know what Gizmos is, it's um, an engine-building game where you're picking these marbles out of this little contraption. They're energy, they're forms of energy. There's red, blue, yellow, black... Uh, I think that might be it. And you're using these energy cubes to build these contraptions to put them into your like office area so you can get a bunch of chain reactions to go off. So every time you take a marble, maybe you'll get four other ones or whatever. And you're trying to be the first person to complete 16 contraptions or four level threes, I think, something like that. And that's the game. So now you can go find that game and pick it up and play it. And it was just a little light for my sake. I know... Joel kind of digs it, but it's just not for me, I don't think. Red, Jason. There's also red marbles. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Red. Um, I do like this game a lot, and 
I mean, for the sake of this show continuing, I won't, I won't, you know, like really fully express the harm that you've caused me, but, um, <laughs> I do like it. I mean, I like race for the galaxy a lot and I like, you know, that kind of engine builder game where it's like, I'm trying to just get as many cards to cycle through or marbles or whatever to cycle through as I can. And I think it's pretty neat to just try and build like the most maximized chain reaction. But I think your criticism of it's fair. Like if you, if you try to, if you try and just build an awesome machine and pick cards that are just like, oh man, that'll work really well with this and just maximize this perfectly efficient, awesome machine, you'll get smoked. Because what ends up happening every time is that someone's just like, what can I build now? Build quick. Yeah. So the game, the game ends prematurely sometimes, I think. The other thing too is I think this one's got, uh, a fairly jagged learning curve on it too. So somebody who's played this game once is just going to be way up on someone who's played it zero times and someone's played it five times is going to be way up on somebody who's played it once. So I mean, like, I think it's one of those things that it's going to be a game that you need to play with people who are of similar experience levels. Just because I think it takes a while for those machines to all click in your brain and just understand like what you need to do early and stuff like that. So I don't know. I really do like Gizmos. Um, I think it's my go-to lightweight-ish, gateway-ish engine building game. Um, I think I would play this with somebody over I'd play over playing Race for the Galaxy if they'd never played either one. Just because this one's so easy to teach and so easy to get on the table. Race for the Galaxy is way higher in my top 100, though. Um just because it's a much cooler game, but there's so much symbology and stuff in it that it's pretty hard. Ah, this one's kind of simple heavy too, but not as bad. So I don't know. I like it. I I just thought it was way too light and I don't care about light games because I like Dice Forge and stuff, but I would rather play Dice Forge over Gizmos any day as like a gateway because I feel like there was more, it was more interesting to me just building the dice and rolling and kind of just collecting resources and stuff. But yeah, I, I would maybe give Gizmos another try, but it's definitely not one I'm going to seek out. I think your comparison's rough there, too, because it's like you're saying I'd way rather drive a Ferrari than a BMW M3. I don't know, like, because Dice Forge is like probably like one of the premier awesomest just go to games for like introducing people to cool stuff in games. I don't know. It's an awesome game. It's just really, really good. And I think I'm with you. I'd rather play Dice Forge than Gizmos, but I don't know. I think Gizmos is fine. Yeah. I mean, all right. So the bottom line is board game mechanics recommend this. If you have $30 and you're looking at gizmos and dice forge and you don't have dice forge, get dice forge. Agreed. Yep. All right, Jason. Well, I played Oz Trailia. Um, it's pretty awesome. It's, uh, it's making me fall in love with Martin Wallace, man. I don't know. Like he's just a good designer. I, I've not really played a whole lot of his games. I think I played via Nebula and steam or age of steam or one of those games before this year, this year I played brass and I've played this game. Um, and I've just in London. And I mean like everything I play of his, I just get so much more respect for him because they're all just enough different of a game. Um, so like, I don't know. I have designers that I absolutely love because they're just awesome designers and their games are amazing. Um, and I'm looking at UV Dallasota, like your games are all awesome. But if I play or Stefan Feld, if I play a Feld or a Lacerda game, I go, yeah, that was a Feld or that was a Lacerda game. Cause you just know, like Lacerda games all have this like almost flow chart thing to them where it's like you pick one of three things. And then after you pick that three thing, then you get three more choices based on that place you went. 
And then if one of those other three things triggers something else and you get another layer of actions, you know? So it's like, there's layers of actions that are flowchart. It's like, you know, the certest thing. And Stefan Felds is like, Hey, anything you do is going to make you feel happy and cause you're going to get some points for it. Although that said, his early stuff was more like, be careful what you do. Cause you're going to get punished <laughs> no matter what you do. Eaten by rats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, good luck with these rats here and our, our mother, blessed mother, Notre Dame. So I mean like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So at, at any rate, like, but you can get a feel for those designers that their their games feel a certain way, I think. And I mean, they're both awesome designers. But then there's like, then there's like uh, Vlada Chavada and uh, Vlada Chavada and uh, Alexander Feaster. And I'm gonna put Martin Wallace in that same category, where it's like those guys design games, and you're like, man, I can't believe that's from the same guy who made this game. You know what I mean? Just because they're kind of like all over the place with their designs. Um, and so that's how I feel about this one with Martin Wallace in Australia. It's it's a train game. It's got trains in it. It's a networking economic game for sure. Um, but it's got a cool like card character kind of market thing on it. And then it's cool because there's combat. So these like monsters can come and just like destroy your fields. So you're trying to build a base up, but then also you're networking with trains and just, I don't know, the universe is really cool too. It's like 1930s Australia and the whole world's been taken over like by Cthulhu beast, elder gods, whatever. And Australia is the last bastion for humanity to like survive kind of thing. So um, we're trying to build, you know, some settlements here on Australia and, and survive. So it's just really neat. It's just a cool, cool game where you're collecting resources and then using those resources to buy a military and then use that military to go kick the butts of the Cthulhu monster stuff. And it's kind of cool because it's, it reminds me a little bit of, um, uh, it reminds me of like legendary almost where it's like, there's a main objective that makes the game co-op, but then within the co-op, it's like, who's the most heroic person who like won the game after we won the main objective. So, or like maybe dead a winner. So like, you play against the Cthulhu beast stuff and if they get more points than you, then everybody loses. So like you want everyone to kind of do well as a team, but then you obviously want to do better than everybody else. So I don't know, man, we, we got stomped our play this weekend. Um, I mean, Luke and I both just had a really great time playing it and Luke said he absolutely just loved the game. Um, and I think it's pretty good, but it's just an interesting game. Very different than anything else. I mean, like if you sat down and played London and then played Australia, you'd be like, huh, that's uh, two very different games from two very different designers, but then you would have your head explode when you go, oh, no, they're both our boy Marty Wallace games. <laughs> okay, so why is Australia spelled like that? Is it part of the game? Is it Are there zombies in it at all? There's zombies in it. Oh, there are? Um, so, like, this is another one, too. This just shows you, like, how... Like, when I saw this on Kickstarter, I was like, nope, no chance. Because, like, I think... I, I, I'm not positive. Is... is um, Hit Road Z or whatever it's called. Is that a Martin Wallace game too? Yeah, that's him. Yeah. Because that one looks just absolutely ridiculous. And I was like, okay, this is that same series of just like stupid campy zombie games. And so like that's what I thought this was, but it's actually kind of a medium weight route building economy game. So I don't know. It's really cool. And I wish I would have looked more into it and not just looked at the cover of the game kind of thing. So I don't know. I really like it. I think it's a pretty good game. I look forward to playing it with you at some point, Jason. I think you'd enjoy it okay. I think it'll be your favorite zombie game, but I don't think you're going to love it necessarily. Yeah. I mean, it, it looked sim like when, when I saw the pictures from you and I think somebody else posted it in, or maybe it was somebody in the Riveted. Shout out to Tim. 
Yeah, Tim. It looked like it kind of looks like brass ish because you got like the little train pieces connecting to the hexes. So I I could definitely feel the Martin Wallace there, but I don't know how I feel about the combat in it. So here's what it feels like if you're gonna try and run it through the filter of is it like brass? Um, brass is like you find a beautiful woman and she gets really like gussied up and like you take her to a formal ball and she has like a beautiful nightgown or like not nightgown a few beautiful evening gown on. <laughs> nightgown. Yeah, the nightgown's coming later when we play Australia. So um. <laughs> She's got like a beautiful ball gown mm. on and you go out and you do ballroom dancing and like it's very elegant and very well put together and just you you eat like fine small plates meals together and enjoy like your evening of champagne. And then like a little later that night, like your beautiful bride or beautiful girlfriend at the ball says, hey, you know what? Let's get out of here and let's go down to the dew drop in. And she goes there and she drinks a tankard of Paps blue ribbon and gets smashed and that's what Australia is. I don't know. It's a lot it's a lot more fun, but it's not as well put together and beautiful and organized. <laughs> All right. We'll definitely have to try it. Yeah. Yeah. I that's that's an interesting analogy probably, but I think it holds up. I don't know. It's just I mean brass is this elegant, just beautiful put together game. And Australia's just a ruckus good time, I would say. And there's definitely a lot of thoughts and meaningful decisions that go into it. But I mean, it's just, it's not near as heavy as brass either. I mean, it's, you've got a few choices you can make and then you can make those choices again by putting more cubes on there, but you got to pay money and just, so it's, it's got some like worker placement kind of action selection, balancing things on it too. But it's just, I don't know. It's a very, it's a really different game. I mean, like, I think you could probably come closer to saying that, you know, this one's a Martin Wallace game over some of the other ones he's done that are just like, whoa, that one's way out there. But I don't know. Pretty, pretty cool overall. That's cool. Uh, all right, so I played a game from a company from the UK called PSC Games, and the game is called Battle Ravens. So this is definitely not my style of game at all, but it's a, essentially a tactical minis game, but instead of minis, it has standees, and one player is playing as the Anglo-Saxons, the other player is playing as the Norse, and you're trying to defend... Your side of the shield wall, which is what they're calling the areas that you're protecting from the other player. So you want to be the first player to knock out three of the opponent's six shield walls. If you can do that, you are the winner of the game. So it's essentially you have these little raven tokens. You're going to put them on the six bases in stacks. And then you're going to pull tokens off to take actions. And the actions are move or attack. So depending on how many... Ravens you take off the space is how strong that action is. So like if I have a stack of six and I take two off, I can either move two guys to an adjacent area or I can attack with two dice. You get one die per Raven and you're going to hit one hit if you roll a three or four and a two hit if you hit a five or a six. It's just a a simple game. And then you have these little guys in the back that you're protecting that are going to give you re-rolls if you cash them in and... Yeah, it's a fun little game. If you're into tactical minis games and rolling dice and having a good time, this is definitely a game you should check out. So that is Battle Ravens from PSC Games. Huh. I don't know anything about this one other than what you just told me about it. So it sounds interesting, though. It sounds like the uh, William Wallace versus the Vikings game or something. I don't know. Yeah, kind of. I mean, it it was fun. I, I had a good time playing it. Again, it's not something that I would check out but i'm trying to expand my horizons a little bit and get an appreciation for other games so yeah it sounds so far from your kind of a game 
yeah, I mean, it is, but again, it's, it's not terrible. I, I had fun. So complete and total audible here, Jason. Gonna go, gonna go ahead and go off script. No, you love that. Um, the one I'm going to talk about, just based on what you just talked about, because I think you need to you need to know about this game and maybe play it at some point, is Summoner Wars. This game's been out forever, and I think it's out of print now, or they're not making more packs for it. I know it's not their most supported head-to-head card type game, but this game is awesome. I mean, it's just so good. Um, I think I have literally every card for it, and it's just an awesome... If you like chess at all, it's going to make you feel like some of the similar strategic play of chess. It's just, it's an asymmetrical. Every team's got slightly different powers. Everyone has different units. And then like the other cool thing too is like your magic that you get to bring new units out is derived from killing units. But then also it's derived from like stuff that you get out of your hand that you can't ever use those cards again. So it's like kind of like a balancing discards and then the other the other part about like if you get to you that you get to use your other fallen enemies as like points of magic or whatever is pretty cool too because like the whole point of the game is to get the big main guy down but you kind of need to take out some of the little like smaller units the minion units in order to get that extra magic to get your bigger champion units out it's just kind of cool how the game escalates and builds up and it has cool movement but it's all super simple it, I mean, like, I think I compared this game, uh, Guardians to this game when I talked with, with Colin Flores. Um, Guardians is awesome too, but this game, I think at this stage is better just because it's got so much content and it was just, it's standing on the shoulders of the giants, basically. I mean, this one was built off of Hero Quest to a degree or Hero, not Quest. Clicks. Uh, no, uh, oh, what's the Milton Bradley game with the train? Uh, uh Escape. Heroescape. Escape, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's based on like loosely on Heroescape. Like it's definitely influenced by Heroescape for sure. Um, but it's just a really cool game. I mean, I just really, really like it. And it's got some customizable deck things that you can do because there's like second summoners that you can sub some cards out. So it's got a really fresh feeling. You could play this game. I think honestly, if you were the right personality to where you liked combat-y head-to-head games, you could probably buy like a master set of all these cards and be super content to play just that game for months i mean as your main go-to game because there's just so much content there and then every faction plays so differently it's just really a cool game and i'm i'm not i'm not positive i mean like the uh the alliance set i think is the one that's the big box that can fit all the cards that's a really good place to start it also comes with like neoprene mats which is really cool um so that's a good place to start and you can find it i mean at one time you could find it on pretty good sales like i think i bought a copy for my buddy for like around 25 or 30 bucks and then you can start putting other sets into it and stuff but i i really do love this game it's really a cool game um just the other nice thing about it too i I compared it a little bit to guardians earlier just mentioned the two together like guardians has this checklist of like do these phases and then the game progresses this one's got kind of a checklist too and it's like it makes the game so simple because you're like, okay, do this phase. That phase by itself is really simple and easy, but then that phase impacts every other phase of the game, you know? So then do this phase, the summoning phase, the movement phase, the attacking phase. So it's just a really a, a not cut and dry game, but a simple game. Um, but then within that simplicity, there's a ton of complexity. So it's just a really cool game. I love it so much. Um, it's It feels a little like, I don't know. I don't think it feels like Magic the Gathering necessarily, but it gives me that same one versus one feeling. So this game, 
I don't know. I played Netrunner prior to having this game a little bit. And as soon as I got this game, I was like, this is the kind of feeling. It's not mechanically similar at all. There's nothing to like about those games at all. But the feeling I got from playing Netrunner, this one gave me more of that feeling of like, I'm going to go tactically one-on-one versus somebody. And just that spatial element of a board too is really huge. So I don't know. I've heard it called a minis game without minis. That's probably fair too. But I just really like this game and it holds up. I've had it for years now and it just holds up. It's a great game. Yeah, this is definitely not one that was ever on my radar, but I mean, I'm sure if I played it, I'd have a good time. But I think my, oh. I just sold it to you, right? I mean, like you're just, man, I got to find a copy of this now and play it. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I'm going to go, I'm going to drop everything I'm doing right now and go look on eBay or BGG and try to find a, a used complete copy yeah, right now. I'll tell you what, I'll bet you and Katie would have some mean matches of this. Oh, probably. And she'd probably slap me around too, I'm oh, sure. Oh, she'd destroy you. I mean, let's be honest. She, <laughs> she would absolutely destroy you. <laughs> she yeah. destroyed me like i'm guessing like katie's just smart man i i don't know like i play this game 40 times and she'd play me her first game and like just beat me so no yeah. no offense to you jason she's just good at games yeah that's probably that's why i'm not buying it because i'm scared i'm gonna lose yeah fair that's fair that's fair <laughs> Okay, Jason. So this is one of those things where we're, uh, I think, I think I'm just going to put a little bit of a roadmap out for the rest of the year. I think we might have one or two pretty big interviews coming up yet between now and the end of the year, if not early next year. But the stuff that we're going to do between now and the end of the year is, um, I think we're going to do the next couple episodes are going to be games that are new to us in 2018, but weren't new games in 2018. Um, so that's what we're talking about today. So these are games that could be from whenever, but we were first really exposed to them this year and enjoyed them. And we're just going to talk about that. And then I think we're going to do our top 2018 games after that. So if if I do my math right here, I think that puts us darn near coming up on on the Christmas season. So um, that's kind of the rest of the year. And then I think to to <laughs> only one person ever used the hashtag of when we're supposed to do our top 100. So I think you can look for our top 100 to be, I don't know how many episodes it'll take. I don't know. Are we going to go through our whole top 100? That'd be kind of fun. That'd um, be fun. Yeah, I'm up for it. All right, if we do our whole top 100, though, I think we'll probably won't do what games we played that week and do 20 a week, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, it'll be a bunch of episodes um, of our top 100 coming in January, maybe February, um, running into February. But yeah, we're going to do... I think people like hearing top 100s. It's a good chance for you guys to hear about some games that you may not hear other places. And I know there's stuff on Jason's top 100 that I'm like, what is that game? And then he talks about it, and I'm like, okay, I need to go buy that game. That's cool. So... um <laughs> Yep. I don't know. There's just a lot of good games out there. And so hearing what we've got is cool. I think it'll be a lot of fun. So anyway, all that said, this week we're going to talk about new to us games. Jason, get us started. I, I've talked enough here. All right. So my number 10, which my numbers are not in any specific order except for number one. Number one is definitely number one. So I just kind of put 10 games down in a number one. So my first game I want to talk about is London from Martin Wallace. We kind of mentioned it earlier up in the games played section. But I played this year for the first time the 2010 Eagle Griffin version because there's a... Or not Eagle Griffin. Sorry, I t- typed the wrong thing down. Um, tree Frog. F- tree Frog, yes. Tree Frog. Um, because there's a new second edition, and I didn't want that one. I wanted the one that has the board. So this game is essentially a pure engine builder. You're b- using these cards. It's a card game, essentially, with a board that you're kind of putting some cities out on. But you're using these cards to build this engine to try to clear your town of poverty. But while you're doing that, you're also gaining poverty. 
And it's just, it's one of those games where you're getting slapped around the whole time and you're just trying to do better than at least a couple other people. So it's, it's tough. It's interesting how you're using the cards in multiple different ways to either put it in your city, to discard it, to do some other things, to discard it, to run your city. It's a good game. So London 2010 version, first edition is the one I played this year and I introduced Joel to it and he's played it as well. It's not on my top 10, um, but I did like it. Uh, it's a pretty good game, and it's it's called Avoid the Black Cubes. The game, I think, really is. I mean, because <laughs> yeah. that's poverty for um, sure. I think you said Eagle Griffin. I I don't know if there's a relationship on this one and and Tree Frog and Eagle Griffin or not, but I know Brass like definitely Eagle Griffin right, put out yeah. the same thing as the Tree Frog versions of that. So I don't know. It might have been put out by Eagle Griffin in a similar packaging here in the States, but I couldn't say that for sure. So I don't know that you're totally wrong, but yeah, definitely the tree frog editions. What I've played a brass end of this. I mean, it's just, well, I mean, it could be Eagle Griffin too, but it has that really distinctive tree frog logo on the front for sure. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I, I like this game just fine. Um, but you know what? I think Jason, if you had played this game new this year, you would have put this one on your list too, but you played it a long time ago. Oh yeah. And that, for sure. That is grand Austria hotel. Um, I had never played this one. I mean, probably because it has that that um, real good Agricola artwork on the box cover. Um, I, what's the name of the artist in this game that does all the UA Rosenberg games? It's 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 not the same guy, maybe, but it looks like it. Yeah, it's Clemens Franz or Franz Clemens or something like that. Yeah, I I don't know that it's by him, but it's the artwork on this game. Um, I don't know, man. It distracted me a little. And then the other thing too is it just looked kind of dry. Well, then I played it with you, and I was like, oh, yeah, dice drafting. That's pretty fun. So um, I really did enjoy this game. It's like order completion and dice drafting, um, which and like a little bit of like resource management kind of stuff, player powers. I mean, it's just got a lot of cool things going on in it. The only thing that I think distracts people from playing it, I think this would be an awesome like next steps after gateway game if it didn't have that like kind of like, um, what is it, the inspector or something that comes around and, and checks on you. Emperor. Uh, yeah, the emperor. If the emperor didn't come around and check on you, it it would be a pretty friendly to newish gamers game. But I think it's not quite okay to play with brand new gamers because that uh, yeah. dude does punish you. The emperor does slap you around for sure. Also, this is one that I I don't like playing with your wife. So whatever. <laughs> yeah, try playing it two players, and she goes all the way around the board twice, and you're not even halfway around once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I could see where that could happen. Cause <laughs> <laughs> We're just real dumb dudes, and she's really smart and good at this game. <laughs> and I did look it up. The artist is Clemens Franz, actually. Is it okay? Good. That yeah. felt that felt good. That on my on my deep recesses of my of my heart, like that I knew that. Um, off the <laughs> record, never on the record. Never mind. We've had conversations about that artist, and they won't go public on this podcast because there are a lot of fans of his art. <laughs> yeah, would just would just say Clemens Franz is an artist. We'll leave it at that. And we may or may not be big fans of him. <laughs> you can figure that out. He is an artist, though. <laughs> For sure an artist. He sure does art, does he? Uh, he does. He does do art. Uh, all right. Moving on from Clemens Franz, we're going to go talk about a game from Formal Ferret that came out in 2016 called The Networks. And I actually played this game for the first time this year at Origins, and then I picked it up and played it a couple times since. And this game is really fun. You're running a TV network and you're trying to recruit or not recruit, but hire actors, get ad revenue from commercials. Uh, you're trying to get, 
um, viewers. You're putting some of your shows into syndication, so they keep getting you viewers throughout the game. You're trying to get special shows in certain time slots, so if kids go to sleep early, they'll still be able to watch it. It's a really fun game, and it's only played over like three or four rounds, so it doesn't outstay its welcome. And if you're into fun little... It's kind of an engine builder, sort of, but it's really just... Like, you take a card and you put a card on your board, but the way you do it is really fun. So if you like games that are kind of simple but also a little bit thinky, the Networks is a game you should check out. Yeah, I think the premise of this game is just awesome. And actually, my brother is trying to design a game. Like, I, I think he just he has an itch to, like, try and be creative, too. And so, like, the first game he came up with was, like, getting members of a band that go together to make, like, to make like a uh, band that has the best sound and stuff. And it kind of ended up being like, um, what's that? Uh, oh, um, Hollywood blockbuster kind of thing. Uh, almost. Yeah, yeah. 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 And then he was like, I think it'd be cool to do that, but do it with a sitcom instead. So you get a theme for a show and then you get certain actors to join it and make it. It's kind of still that. And then, and then he was like, well, what if you had a network of shows that you're trying to get? So you could be the, you know, true crime network. And I'm like, well, there, there's the networks now of that. So this disappointed him that this existed, but then he was super <laughs> excited to want to play it. So yeah. I, I think I'd love to play this one too. I haven't played it. It might make my list next year of games I played in 2019 that I'm late to the game on. Yeah, it's really good. I think you dig it. Like, I didn't know if I would like it. It looks really, like, kind of generic and bland, but the gameplay is super fun. So I definitely, again, want to keep around and try to play a couple times a year, probably. Yeah, I mean, like, is it a drafting game, or how does the mechanic work on it? Sort of. Like, on your turn, you can take you take a card from this tableau. There's, like, uh, special network cards that are going to give you, like, in-game points and special abilities. There's TV shows, there's actors, and then there's ads. So you're going to take one of these things, you're either going to put it in your green room, or you're going to put it actually on the air. So it's kind of a drafting, but not in, you know, you have a hand of seven cards, you take one and you pass it around. Every Everything's out for everybody to see, and you're just grabbing one and doing something with it. Okay, that makes sense. So what you've described, described is basically the game Gizmos that you trashed earlier this, this episode. Sort of, but this is way better than that. I'm lying, it's nothing like Gizmos. <laughs> but I mean, that mechanism... Where, it's, where you can see what's out is like Gizmos, but this is far superior to that. Yeah, it sounds cool. And the other thing, too, is like this one I think will be around for a while and fresh. So the only reason why I wouldn't pick this one up, I mean, like if someone offered me a trade, I would probably be pretty eager to take it. But I've got a feeling this one, like as many expansions as come out have come out for it, I feel like we're due for a big box or deluxe or something at some point here. So I might hold off for that, but we'll see. Yeah, I only have the little British TV show expansion, so I don't. It's just a little, like, 40 cards or something, so. Well, the expansions are all pretty reasonably priced, too, I think, so it's not, like, horrible. No, it's nice, because it's, it's just cards. It's a, it's a card game, essentially, so, yeah, it doesn't take much to put out some extra cards. Well, Jason, my number nine is The Gallerist, and this is one that you exposed me to. Um, I'm really happy to have played this one. I'm looking forward to playing it again in the future. And if this darn game wasn't out of print all the time and costing hundreds of dollars, I may own it. So um, I just really <laughs> like it. It's got great production value. It's really fun. It's your standard Vita Lacerda game. It's got uh, the kind of cool mechanism on it, though, is the it's kind of fun because it's like a commentary on how the art world really does operate, that you're trying to artificially inflate the value of art kind of thing um, by making your your artists that you invested in super hyped up and then like 
try and like, you know, use that hype engine to get you a ton of points, which I thought was kind of neat. And then I like the idea that if you are able to predict where other people want to go and get kicked out of that spot, you get extra little bonus actions too. Um, that's, that's pretty cool too. And that's kind of similar to what they did in Dice Forge too. But, um, I think this game did it earlier and did it better. Um, just a neat game, really well put together. And that's not, I mean, it's not absurd that I only played this this year because I think this game only came out in 2016, maybe, maybe 2015, but I really do like it. Oh yeah, I'm with you. It's definitely high, high, high on my uh, top 100, and I I would love to play this game more. But again, it suffers from that Vital Lacerda. You got to teach it, and it has a lot of rules, and it's a pain to teach. So I want to play it with people who know how to play, so I can just sit down and go. And that's only like you and Katie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Too bad we don't have the hyper loop between our houses yet, but. I think Elon's working on it for us. <laughs> yep, he is. <laughs> uh, all right, so my number eight is a game that came out last year called Rising Five. I think it's the Runes of Asteros or something like that. Yep. And, and it's from Gray Fox. And this is a cooperative game with art from Vincent Dutre, so it looks cool if you're a fan of Vincent Dutre. And essentially what you're doing on this is you are taking actions with these five little characters that are on the board and each character has a special power and you're essentially playing the game mastermind where you're trying to get these four different colored runes or i think there's five total but you're trying to get them a certain color in a certain space so there's like one on it's like a plus sign and there's one rune on each of the four spaces and the app is assisting you and you're going around trying to move the runes around and then you can go open the whatever the gateway and see if you're right and it'll tell you if you're right or you're wrong and it gives you clues and yeah it's a fancy version of mastermind but it's fun and i enjoyed it and that is rising five from gray fox yeah this game looks pretty awesome um i haven't played it yet it's on my shame shelf i got it in trade for something um but i definitely am excited to play it um i was gonna play it the other week but I opened it up and I was going to play it with my wife and she doesn't like for me to like learn a game as we're playing it. So I was going to try and learn it all. And I opened my box up and like, it was your standard. This game got sent through the, through the mail, like all the stacks of cards were mixed together and stuff. So I ended up sorting the game out and not really learning it yet, but I'm hoping to learn this one by the end of the year and get some feedback on it as well. But it looks pretty awesome. And like, honestly, for it to be a co-op game and like kind of hokey theme and stuff and you to be like, it's, it's really good. It's got to be pretty awesome. So that's why I, I jumped on that one. Um, but hoping to play it here pretty soon, maybe even this weekend. And uh, maybe it would have made my list if I had a chance to play it before that. Yeah, it's one of the best co-ops that I've played probably. Well, not my favorite, not the best, but one of my favorite co-ops because it was actually fun, unlike some of the other ones. So, yeah, I like it. When you said the tension in this game was similar to um, Black Orchestra, I was like, wow. Because the, the tension you feel in Black Orchestra is like unlike really any other game I've ever played. So that's pretty awesome. Right. I mean, it's not as tense as Black Orchestra, but it still gives you a similar kind of feeling. So yeah, once you play it, I, I'm interested to see what you think about it when you bust it out. I'm sure I'll like it. I mean, I'm sure I'll like it because I like co-ops better than you, I think, anyway. So I don't know. It. Who knows? It might be my favorite game of all time. We'll see. <laughs> it could be. Well, my number eight, by the way, we're stopping at five or six tonight. Um, 
sorry, kids, you're going to have to tune in next week to hear the top five, which again, mine, mine are very critical of the order. Um, I, I molded over for weeks thinking about what the order of my games was going to be. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> so my top five, you're really going to want to tune in for those because they're much better games. Jason's is number one. You're going to want to know, but I mean, other than that, eh, who cares? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mine's Voyages of Marco Polo, which is crazy to me that I just got introduced to this game this year. But it's true. I think I played it at a at a at a BGM con one or two. And I remember like you like were hyped to get it to the table. And this is after you had I mean, okay, so uh, okay, Jason, plug your ears for a second, okay? Jason had just like gotten Lorenzo out and was like, Man, this game's amazing. And I was like, Okay, it looks fine. And then I wasn't that into Lorenzo. And then he's like, Here's another ugly game that's amazing to me. And I was like, All right, fine, Jason, I'll play your other ugly game that you say is amazing. And then Marco Polo was amazing. So, hey, Jason, you can unplug your ears again. Um, so, <laughs> okay. anyway, Voyages of Marco Polo is amazing. And you were right on that one. And I've heard so many people say it's great, but just the box kept me from wanting to play it. And Lorenzo's fine, honestly. Like, it's just, I don't know. I don't love it like I love this game. So this game is like a any any place, anytime, anywhere type game. Um, Lorenzo's, I'll play it if Jason wants to play it kind of game. Actually, I might like Lorenzo better now. Um, I just didn't wrap my head around it very well the first time I played it. Um, but any any rate, I heard I did hear this though. Um, somebody mentioned the expansion and said, "Eh, it's a take it or leave it expansion. That it's not that great." And I kind of have heard that a lot about it. So um, or similar things. So I don't know that the expansion was great, but the base game is really good. Yeah, I have no desire to get the expansion, except I think it adds like the color purple as one of the player pieces because you can play five people. Ooh, which you, you can play as Prince. Yeah, you should never, ever play this game as five people. Ever. I repeat, ever. And yeah, it, it just gives you like that expansion or that little sideboard where you're traveling around things. You're already traveling and it's slapping you around. You don't need to have something else that's traveling and slapping you around too. So base game's fine for me. Yeah, most games are good at three, and this one's in that category. I think three is a good enough player count for this one. Yeah, it's actually really good at two. Honestly, I've I've played it at two quite a bit. Really? I yeah. Do you have a do you have a mock player, or do you just not put some things out, or how does that work? No, you just block off a couple of the I think the little market spaces, and that's about it. It plays exactly the same. You just block off a couple a couple places. And I think it's worth mentioning every time we talk about this game. That the reason why it's awesome is because you're allowed to cheat. Like your character is cheating. Like, I don't know. It's just like if this game were Clue, it'd be like, oh yeah, your character special special powers. You get to see the cards under the board. Like, I mean, like that's how game breaking your your player powers feel in this game. They're just so strong. It's amazing. Yep, I agree with you 100. percent That is a great game. It probably would have been on my list if I played it this year for the yep. first time. Yeah. All right. So my number seven is. A Vital Asserta game called Vinos. And the version that I'm specifically talking about is the 2010 What's Your Game version, even though that's not the first one I played. I played the Eagle Griffin 2016 version first, but I own the 2010 version, and that's the one that I played more. So this game, like Vital, you're going to move, uh, move a little guy around on this action selection space deal, and you're going to try to plant vineyards, harvest some wine, sell the wine to a wine fair and try to get the most points possible. That's a really simple overview of it, but just like every VTOL game, it's elegant and smooth. And once you learn it, you're going to get better with every play. So Vino's 2010, what's your game is a new to me game that I played this year. I, uh, 
Again, this one would have been my top 10 for this year if I played it this year for the first time. But I was a little earlier to the game on this one. Um, but I'm going to tell you something, Jason. Ah, uh, uh, Jason, you're going to want to find a new co-host after this one. I played 2016 with uh, with some guys about a month ago. And I like 2016 really well, too. I mean, I know 2010 is a little thicker, a little more punishing. And like I think the punishing thing in Vidal games makes them more fun sometimes. But I really do think the 2016 is good. And I th- I think at one time I may have said, if you're going to play a lighter wine game, play Viticulture, not... not uh, Vinos, and I don't know. I think Vinos 2016 still has some merits too. But yeah, 2010 is awesome. I think if I have to say, 2010 is my my choice too. Still, so I don't know. Excellent pick, Jason. Really good game. If you haven't played it, play it. Yeah, and I haven't played the 2016, and I'm I may like it. It's just I don't know. I like the bank, and I like all that stuff that 2010 has that 2016 doesn't really have. So, but I could give it a try. Spoiler: You won't like it. <laughs> okay. I don't. I just don't think you will. I mean, like. The the bank is much more simple. Like you don't have to go visit it, kind of thing. And just the wine fair is not nearly as like layers of complexity, kind of thing. And like there's a lot of stuff on the little tiles that flip over that you end up like saying, "Why is that on that tile?" Oh, because on the 2010 version that actually would matter, and it doesn't matter at all in the 2016 version. So gotcha. I don't know. There's just extra stuff that you just you, you as much as you play the 2010, 2016 would feel incomplete to you. I think. Gotcha. Yeah, you're probably right. But speaking of games that are the best games that money can buy and probably the best games ever, um, Happy Pigs is one that I played this year, and I'm pretty sure this game's kind of old. So this game is awesome. Nobody plays it. It's a crying shame because darn if it's not one of the best economic games that you can find. And I know, Jason, this is uh, your only experience of this game. Unfortunately, it was at like max player count, and it was rough, and it wasn't fun. No, but, it, man, it this was game fun. Is Really good at like three and four. I didn't hate this game. Like I liked it. I just like giving you a hard time because you were really into it for a while. Oh, I am. I love it. It's still a great game. This I this game's a ten. Like I would seriously play this about any time. Like I, this is okay. It's not quite a ten because if you wake me up at like three in the morning to say, <laughs> "Hey, let's go play Happy Pigs," I'm going to be like, "Ah, uh, dude, can we wait till like eight o'clock?" <laughs> yeah. If you wake me up at three o'clock in the morning to play Lisboa, I'm going to say, yeah, man, you got to set up or what? Why don't you set it up and wake me up at four o'clock in an hour when you're done setting it up? <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. No, it's a good game. I really like it. So, and I know like I kind of mostly put it on here too, a little tongue in cheek because I know like I like raved about it and you were like, yeah, it's a perfectly great example of a good game. Like it's fine. So <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, it- I think you like it fine though. It really is an okay game. Like, I kind of liked it because it was Tetrisy sort of because you had to, like, fit all the little – they're all squares, so it's not difficult. But you had to get them all on your little board. And it is kind of an economic game. Like, you're buying pigs and you're selling pigs at a profit, hopefully. You have to buy medicine to make your, so your pigs don't die. I mean, it's a light version of, like, a Marty Wallace game. I can see that. Yeah, I think the thing I like about it is that you're, like, trying to play the other players, you know? Like, you're trying to figure out, okay, what's – Jason's got a crap ton of pigs there that are full size, so he's definitely going to take them to market. So, like, what do I pick to not try and interfere with him? Or do I want to interfere with him? Because if I interfere with him, I've only got two pigs to sell, and he really wants to sell them too. But, like, that whole trying to, like, guess what other players want to do kind of thing is really fun. And then balancing just, like, your cycle of how you want to get things done. And then, and then the final thing that I really like about it is when those cards slip up, 
Like there's certain festivals that you're like, man, I really think this festival is probably going to be in there. So I want to have like one of each sides of my pig in, in this season and stuff, which is something that like, it's like a more like a world championship level type, type play, which I mean, I did go to the world championships this year, but boy, I just really embarrassed myself there. I did not do well. So, um, you know, we probably could have caught the game we played at my, at, uh, at the board game, at the board game, uh, con board. What's the name of our podcast? Board Game Mechanics Con uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, 2 or whatever one it was. That We'll call that one the World Championship, and I don't even remember who won. Let's say it was you. Good job, Jason. It, you're the world champion at Happy Pigs. I think it was your wife, actually. No. Dang, I get to sleep with the world champion at Happy Pigs. That makes me really happy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> All right. Uh, my number six, and the last one I'm going to talk about for this episode is... From Renegade came out last year and it's called Sentient. Um, this game actually surprised me a lot, and my buddy Chris brought it over, and we made Katie play it begrudgingly. I was interested in it, but so what this game is, it's a dice game, kind of. So you have these dice that you're rolling and you're putting them on this board. You're using those dice to activate these robots that you're bringing into your board, and each robot's going to have a a number in the top right and left that's going to manipulate the faces of your dice. And you're trying to get, like, say I take a card and it says the cards to the left and the right both have to, or the dice to the left and the right both have to be sixes. So I'm trying to figure out where I can put that card to manipulate my dice to flip them to sixes so I can score the points on that card at the end of the round. It's a fun, like, it's essentially an abstract game, but it is thinky, and I really liked it. Like, this is essentially like a filler-esque game. It was about 45 minutes. But it feels like a full hour, hour and a half game with as much thinking as going on. So sentient, good game. I highly recommend it. Yeah, it's it's interesting. This game mechanically, the mechanics don't match the art. And like, I guess no. there's not really a theme, but like, yeah, I don't know. It feels like you're going to play like some crazy space blasting type or something game or whatever with that like style and artwork and stuff on it. But then to hear you describe the uh, mechanics of it and stuff, it sounds like it's just really very much just uh I don't know, like exactly what you said, like a dice manipulation filler game, which is cool. Yeah, that's literally all it is. Because Katie's like, oh, man, a space game. And then we played it. She's like, wait a minute. <laughs> this is just a dice game. Yeah. It's a dice manipulation game. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, Jason. So I'm going to use my captive audience here to uh, to to do a bonus question here. I do have my last game here. But if I've learned anything from my dad, it's that you never, never, never um, – you know, like not take full advantage of your captive audience. So if you're in a car listening to this right now, sorry, you got to hear me talk right now. I want to know what you guys in the in the riveted think of Pulsar 2849 because that's back in print now and stuff. And I've heard some just real amazing stuff about it. And the reason why I thought about it is because it reminds me of Sentient, like that it's everyone raves about how awesome that game is. But like I look at the back of it and I'm like, this looks like a like pretty boring, pretty abstract just whatever game, but I hear it's awesome. So if you played Palisar twenty eight forty nine, like go drop us a line over on the Facebook page or something, and just say, "All right, Pulsar twenty eight forty nine is awesome or is not awesome, and here's why." Because I'm I'm really curious about that one actually. Like, just I've heard so much good stuff about it, and the box just looks bad. So it's kind of like the between Marco Polo being spoken about and my like coming late to the game on that and begrudgedly loving it now, not begrudgedly, but just begrudgedly. I hate myself that I didn't play it for the last few years. Um, and then sentient, which like just doesn't look like the box at all. Like what do you guys think of Pulsar 2849? So anyway, that, that all said to move on to my number six game, Jason, which 
this could be like one of my favorite games of all time if it didn't come one third too small. And that game is Clans of Caledonia. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. It is way too small. I agree. Like, it feels like you're playing the travel edition of it. You're like, where's the full size one? I don't know. Like, it's fine, I guess. But like, it just, I wish everything was seriously like 50% bigger. And then I would think I would like the game a little bit better. But I really do love this game. It's, um, I don't know, man. I think it's, uh, it's Terra Mystica light or Terra Mystica for people who play Catan. Like, I think it's just, it's a good game. It's a really good game, but it has like, it's, crazy because it seems like you're just like these like lovely people who are raising cattle and making ales and like until you play it with somebody who's really nasty and mean and figures out oh if i place my stuff next to your stuff then i'm gonna get just so much free stuff that it's gonna make you mad and uh boy that sure does make you mad so i don't know like it's a good game though it's a really good game and it's got lots of layers of just thick play to it so clans of caledonia i was a little late on that one as well not a ton i think this is a 2017 game but it's just uh it's a really good game i really enjoyed it did not kickstart it but did buy it when uh what game was it games one of the game stores went out of business this year and they had a few copies left so i i was able to uh, buy that online and, and get it and really have enjoyed it so clans of caledonia i would suggest it to buy to anybody especially if you like terra mystica i mean like it's pretty similar in a lot of ways yeah, it's very similar. That's my issue is I have Terra Mystica and like this doesn't do really anything different except for like the fluctuating market where when you sell things, the price goes down and when you buy things, price goes up or maybe vice versa. That's really the only difference. And I don't know. I just played Terra Mystica, move my, move my druids up and they can worship the elder gods or whatever they do. Yeah. I mean, I like clans, but I like Terra Mystica a lot too. I, I like clans a little better, and here's why. I've got both of them because I've got a really good trade on Terra Mystica. Like, somebody was like, I really want that game. And I was like, no, nah, I don't think I can do that. And they go, well, what if I toss in Terra Mystica too? So I like basically got it for free. I was like, yeah, that will work. Um, that you want to throw an $80 game in to get my $30 out of print game or whatever right. it was. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, um, I, I did pick it up and I do have both. And, um, I would play clans most of the time over Terra Mystica just because of this. I feel like some of the stuff, like those little bowls with the like stuff that you rotate around and that little sideboard and like how you have to manipulate your shovels and stuff, it just yeah. adds a lot of layers to it. But I'm not positive that the layers add to the game. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, I can see that. I can see that. So I don't know, man. That's the only thing that I would say is a criticism. But I do like Terra Mystica and Terra Mystica does do some things a lot better than clans of caledonia for sure but they're both really good games yeah clans is definitely easier to teach for sure too so that's one perk that i think i would enjoy a little bit more i'd probably actually get to play clans more because i played terra mystica once because i again i don't want to teach the bowl thing i don't want to teach the shovel thing and if you build this building next to this other thing you get energy off of however much energy my thing produces it's just a crazy thing so yeah Clans is a good pick, though. Yeah, I mean, like, I think I probably could explain all of clans over the amount of time that it would take you to explain the flower petal bowl or whatever <laughs> that thing is called. <laughs> yeah. They go clockwise, and you can borrow them, but then you can't. And I'm, yeah, you, I, yeah, remove it from the game if you want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's just pretty wild. Well, yeah. anyway, that's that's our ten through six. Um, so two things I am like soliciting information on is that Pulsar 2849 thing that I raved about for like 
longer than Jason wanted me to. But then also, like, what are your guys' games that were new to you this year that you're like, man, I'm late to the game on this one? Or, like, that's something that I can't believe I waited till this year to play. Like, what do you guys have? And the way how you get to us is go over to our Facebook page and, and check it out. Um, also, it is such a huge deal to us when you share our posts onto your own personal wall or share them to friends that you know that love board games or just tell people, hey, this podcast is decent. And if you've got to find some noise to put on for your dog so he doesn't bark at the mailman, then this is one's as good as any. So um, any of those things are really great helps to our show. We really appreciate it. Yeah, I think uh, our new slogan is the board game mechanics. Pretty okay. Pretty Okay. You know, my favorite thing was about the origin story of that is that you you post that on the board game group, which they do it the correct way too. They make board game a compound word like us. So they do it the, the proper way, that the way that I'm saying is proper. But then on your post, you were like, board space game. I was like, Jason, come on. Jason, come on. <laughs> board game, pretty great. Mechanics, yeah. pretty great. I- board game <laughs> mechanics, pretty okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, somebody said they wanted that on a shirt. We should totally get that. Yeah, shirt. for sure. Instead of being hashtag the rivet on the back, it'll say pretty okay. <laughs> and like a like mom's like us too, thumbs up kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah, that's funny. That's funny. We we are the only board game podcast that you can listen to with your children and mom in the car. Um, because you don't want to listen to those cuss boys over in the dice tower. They get real dirty sometimes. <laughs> they, they don't really. I'm just kidding. They don't. They're probably cleaner than us, honestly. But I like to have a fake rivalry with them because it's fun. Yeah, we do say cheapest. Chia, Jason, ch- cheapest. Chia pests. Chia pests. Chia pet games. Chia <laughs> pet games. Yeah, we do. We're big cuss boys, as you like to call us. <laughs> the nasty man over there talking about cheapest games. <laughs> uh, now, we're definitely the dumbest board game podcast there is. <laughs> Which some people really like, other people don't get it, and they would they give us two star ratings because we don't make them smile enough. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That Whatever. True. All right. Well, hey, thanks for editing this week, Jason. Because boy, is this going to be an editing job? <laughs> yeah, it'll be fine. All right, I've been Joel, and I'm Jason. Keep, Keep gaming. gaming!